In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel of the Rich Man and Lazarus, very familiar, disturbs me in three distinct ways. The rich man has no name. There is great emphasis on the chasm between heaven and hell being unsurpassable. And the rich man's brothers won't even care if a man rises from the dead because they already don't care about Moses and the prophets. So, he has no name. The poor man who cluttered the end of his driveway has a name. It also happens to be the name of one of our Lord's closest friends, one he rose from the dead. Abraham is addressed by name. But the man in hell is not acknowledged by name. Our Lord will describe elsewhere in the Gospels that there will be those who cry out, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? And he will say, depart from me, you evildoers. I do not even know who you are. For your name not to matter anymore. To no longer be known by what you are, but by what you have not done. And the rich man isn't described as having done anything. Nothing bad. Nothing harmful. He's not even described as being mean. By inference, we can understand why he's in hell. Because Lazarus is described as, quote, Someone who would have gladly eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Which means the scraps didn't end up at the end of the driveway. There is no reason to hope that hell is empty when Christ very clearly describes souls in hell where he very clearly describes it as a possible destination for those who likewise do nothing. If we do nothing in the face of the suffering of others and in the suffering of the poor in particular, we will end up in hell and we will be there forever. We don't need to do anything to go to hell. In fact, if we live our lives and do nothing, that is certainly 
where we will end up. And it shouldn't comfort us that we pay taxes so that other people can do that for us. Lazarus was the poor man at the end of the driveway. So I encourage you to find out the name of the person who begs on your street corner. Maybe the relatively new guy in McLean, or one of the old faces at Glebe in 50 or Glebe in 29. Some of us are very bad drivers, and we should just focus all of our attention on driving. Don't just look at the stoplight when it's red. Don't look at the phone. Don't roll down your window. Just please drive well. Um, If you're able to roll down your window, uh, roll down your window and say hello. And not in a saccharine way, as though you're patting yourself on the back for being friendly to the poor person. You don't ask someone in the funeral home, how are they? If they're in a great mood, wonderful. They set the tone. But you know what I mean. You roll down your window. How's it going today? Maybe let them know your name, even. It takes very little to treat them as a human being. They ask for very little. I understand when you're, you can see how the light is stacked up, and you know that they would be walking up to you right as you're supposed to go forward and it's a green light and you've been waiting several turns to get through the green light, that's fine, wave. And when you're at the front of the line next time, you have an extra minute. Have have bottles of water in your passenger seat. If they're really warm, don't, don't offer a really warm bottle of water. Gift cards, even. To, any, to anything, really. Barnes & Noble is fine. 7-Eleven, McDonald's. I, one time I mistakenly gave away my Safeway club card. Um, <clears throat> will come as no surprise to you who know my German roots that In my truck, there's a spot for pennies and a spot for nickels, and there's a tub for quarters and dimes. Don't give poor people your pennies and nickels. But even just a handful of quarters and dimes and just say, I'm sorry, I I wish I could help you. I wish there's more I could do. But just 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 to treat another as a human being, it takes very little effort. In fact, most of us probably expend more effort avoiding them. And if we do that, we're driving straight to hell. And we will be there forever. Lastly, and perhaps most shocking, 
is that if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. That should be shocking. It sounds as uh, just a motif, some flourish to the end of the gospel, but ponder that. People will know that Jesus rose from the dead and not care. They will not believe in him. They will not regard him as God. It will not matter to them. What is for us the singular miracle that God has given to all generations so that we may know that Christ died for our sins, that we're redeemed and are given a life of sacrament and grace to be able to already live with the Trinity in heaven is made known by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. That event means everything. We celebrate that event every Sunday. Every Easter is the beginning of eternity. Some people will know about that and not care. And the gospel gives us some explanation for that. They don't even care about Moses and the prophets. What does that mean? Does that mean they're just, they're already religiously um, disobedient, therefore they've, they've missed the boat? No, think that the Moses and the prophets simply proclaimed the message of be good, avoid evil, love, love your neighbor. And so if someone ignores Moses and the prophets, they don't care about what's good and evil. And that, that rings true. It's not as though there are so many people who aren't Christian because they want to pursue evil without any fetters, but rather they don't recognize evil from good. They don't, they're not sure if there's good in the universe. Maybe through their own sins, maybe through the sins of others. It may be desperate. It, it may be yearning to be able to. But consider that it's, it's, for some people, it will not be enough for you to convince them that Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead. And you won't have won their soul yet. Because they won't believe in him. Because they will first need to believe that there is good and there is evil. Fortunately, it's easier for a lot of people to believe in evil. Fortunately, even people who make fun of the Catholic Church still ask for a priest when they need an exorcism. It's more important, however, to believe in good. To believe that we were all made in the image and likeness of God. Absolutely, amazingly beautiful. Yet flawed, and we can believe that we're flawed. It's harder for us to believe that we're really good because of how that flaw 
compounds upon itself when our sins collide with the sins of others. But we're, we're really like that brand new, completely unbelievably sophisticated jetliner that's far beyond anything that's ever been seen before. Yet there's one little wire that is off, and as a result, the plane is prone to crash. Um, which almost, well, well it, it's a great plane. You can't fly it, though. You'll die. Unless you have a fix. And the good news is that God didn't just create us in, in his image and likeness and permit a flaw to be self-inflicted through the tempting of the devil. He came to rescue us to die for us, to heal us, and not just to repair the wound, not just to repair that mortal wound of original sin, but to, but to divinize us, to make us even more like him so that we can participate in the life of the Holy Trinity. That is what you see, that's what every person sees every morning looking in the mirror someone who has yet to, ra- to realize the beauty with which God made them. Truly good. Yes, flawed, but truly good. More glorious than the most beautiful sunset. God knows your name. He wants you to be with him forever in heaven. And while you're on earth, he wants you to continue to do his work of loving neighbor, loving enemy, helping each other. He does not want your name to be forgotten, separated from him forever, because he did nothing. But we will hear this gospel only a finite number of times before it is our turn. So today, listen to the gospel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.